Hey there, Ruby fans! Welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Tonight, we are talking about Volume 7, Episode 9, As Above, So Below. And I have a question for you all. Guess who's back? Back again. Neo's back. Tell a friend. Oh, were you going to guess? I was, yeah, I was going to say Shady, because that's the lyrics of the... I'm sorry. I'm. I, I apologize. That that entire team is shady. Let's be real. Neo Boo. has been shady all along. Boo. Hey. <laughs> Won't She's... the real Slim Shady please stand up? And she stands up. You're an illusionist. Sit down. No, she stands up and does that little hat flick. And you know what? I don't even care. I'm going to clap. Everybody's yep. hearts melt. <laughs> Immediately. She's just so cute. She is the best. <laughs> You're adorable. We're all going to die. She'll kill us all with a smile on her face, and we might thank her. Yes, yeah, a different <laughs> definition of killing with kindness. It's mostly just the killing. <laughs> oh, do man. you want to do a murder? And, you know, she pulls out a song. I, I, I love the way she was portrayed in Ruby Chibi, just with the wily Coyote-esque signs. But anyway... We are jumping ahead. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to Ruby Redux, where we go off on tangents quite a bit. But we are very, very excited to talk about Ruby tonight. And let's not waste any time. Let me go ahead and introduce us. I'm Megan Salinas, and with me, as always, is a fantastic group of hosts. Uh, with me in the room, Katie Cullen. I am also Megan Salinas. No. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, calling in from Los Angeles, <laughs> Stacy Shuttleworth. That sounds like something Neo would say. <laughs> Nothing sounds like something Neo would say. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a okay. shame. <laughs> well played. And calling in all the way across the country is the wonderful Mark B. Donica. Oh, no, that's that's literally that's something that Neo would say. <laughs> I was waiting for that. We're like, did, did we lose the call? Is he gone? What a great bit for an audio format. <laughs> I was I was flicking. I was wearing multiple hats, like like flicking them and like winking and like making <laughs> Turning like your parasol. The the equivalent of gym faces at the uh, the eyepiece on my camera on my laptop. But I mean, you know, I. I'm glad that I could capture. Well, let me ask that. How did I do? Did I do it? Was that an okay Neo impression? I need someone to get Mark an actual parasol. Please do that. I can just borrow my well, wife's. Well, no, legit. Mark, given that I've installed cameras all throughout your house, don't, Mama Shnee, I don't. can tell you, yeah, you did great. <laughs> don't. Hmm. I'm a, <laughs> hold uh, on now. Hold on. Don't I'm feel just... bad. I've installed cameras in all of your houses. Megan, Jesus Christ! <laughs> so, so, all I, your secrets are now mine. What we've slowly Ooh. learned over the course of this season of Ruby Redux <laughs> is that Megan is an absolute crazy person. <laughs> what you've slowly learned. Fair. Yeah, Katie's known that for a long time, and honestly, oh, I'm yeah. surprised it took you all this long. And on that note, to our delightful audience, welcome to our definitely evil lair. Oh, God. <laughs> We've redeemed this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, let's go ahead and get the ball rolling on this episode before all of my secret evil machinations are unfurled. Uh, this was a fun one. I... I, I feel like this was a really cathartic episode because we saw a lot of fun 
consequences for some bad guys, although not quite some. It's funny because as like one storyline sort of gets wrapped up, that's like the perfect time to bring in new characters. So I feel like this episode was really well paced. It was cathartic in the right places. And there were a lot of really tiny, great character bits. So much so that like I wrote all the character bits down on our whiteboard and our whiteboard is pretty full. It like each character didn't get a ton, but everybody got something. So it was this was a fun one for me. Uh, what are our initial thoughts of this one? Let's go ahead and start with Mark. Re- sort of similarly to last last week's episode where Willow recontextualized the whole show. It, it was a oh, yeah. I forgot that all of these pieces were in motion sort of a thing. Like Katie, you had mentioned it last week. They show us all the pieces and we know all of the pieces, but then it's remembering that those pieces are in play. And this was a very memorable episode for multiple reasons. And I really enjoyed it. Stacy, Weiss is the sweetest angel. Just the best girl. <laughs> First and foremost. <laughs> Detective Weiss is queen of my heart. Oh, Absolutely. Always. Always. <laughs> uh, I, when I, I feel like with Ruby, a lot of times we come to expect the worst. Uh, I definitely do, at least. And so having all this come out into the open, you almost expect catastrophic results. So it's an, it was nice to see, to be reminded that these people, these, this council has history deeper than just what we've been shown has more reasons to trust in Ironwood and to actually, like, be reasonable human beings. Which we got more of as, as opposed to everything going absolutely to pieces immediately. Yeah, I I definitely agree. The I was kind of expecting the council to be just a bunch of pushovers, and that's not what we got here. Consequences are nice! <laughs> How about you, Katie? What did you think? I don't remember the last episode that made me scream my face off for so many different reasons. Back to back to back to back to back. Um, I am so thrilled that we got a quick turnaround on all of this, especially on the security footage. I'm thrilled the security footage had audio. Like, I wasn't thinking that that would be a thing. I do think we got some really, really good character moments and... Oh, God. You're uh, batting down the hatches, y'all. There's going to be an IT rant when we start talking specifically about Jacques. I gave my admin password to a known hacker, Schnee. It's all fine. (laughs) Fine. I had a rough day at work, and he's not making it better because he's dumb. Um, yeah, on that note, we should probably go ahead and roll right into that reveal scene, because just as it looks like Ironwood is getting backed into a corner, who should burst into the room but Detective Weiss, who, (laughs) in, like, true, like, kind of television detective style, goes, you've got the wrong man! (laughs) (laughs) And reveals to everybody the fact that her father is involved in election fraud. He was involved in the murders that took place that night. um, And that 
Watts, and this is, I want to put a pin in like the rest of the reveal here, but Watts is, you know, uh, the rest of the council members recognize him as that guy who was supposed to have died in the Paladin incident. Uh, guys, what do we think the Paladin incident is? It's clearly where he faked his death, but like, what happened there? Uh, let's, let's go ahead and start with Katie. For the paladin incident specifically, given that the paladins are those giant mechs that we were introduced to in season two, I feel like this is going to be... You you remember that bit in Iron Man 2 where they're showing all the footage of all the different tests and all of them going horribly wrong? Uh, When you're doing R&D for a weapon, field testing doesn't always go the way you want it to go. So I would not be in any capacity surprised if something went horrible... For one, if Watts was involved with the design and creation of the Paladins, and two, if something went horrifyingly wrong during a test and he went, now's my chance, and just fucking bailed. Stacy, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like we had a very uh, carefully orchestrated catastrophe in which, you know, our poor man tragically lost his life and slipped away out the back door cackling to himself. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, how about you? Now, he may be... Well, I... Hmm. I think the picture from Pietro of revealing that Arthur was on the team could be a hint of maybe he had a little bit of help dropping off the grid. And Ooh. not and, and you know, I I like to suggest some pretty crazy things, but I think you know, it's sort of the thing of the theme of good people sometimes do bad things that they don't know are bad at the time or bad bad people can are possible of good things i think with everything that happened with Jacques, i don't think he's going to be completely redeemed but i think he might have a little bit of regret and we might see a little bit of regret regret at least before the end of the show not the end of the series but i think pietro or somebody on the team was had helped him drop off the grid Ooh. I I like that he had help. Um, in my mind, and granted, this is a little out there. In my because we already know that giant mechs are a thing that Atlas definitely produces. In my mind, uh, Watts because he says Ironwood never appreciated his genius. He went, "Hey guys, what if we took some of those giant mechs and then put them all?" together and we'll call that the paladin project (laughs) and everyone said that sounds real stupid and dumb and you're dumb and that's when he decided he was going to turn to a life of crime i mean they were on board until he wanted to shape the mechs like lions and that's the point where they all went "Mm." i really hope that you do have cameras in my house so you could see not just my head going (laughs) into my hand but my hand Passing through my head at the sheer amount of SMH that just occurred, and this is and this is from hashtag Leg Day over here. This is from from your boy the Yellow Lion. So, like, first of all, bravo. Second of all, I hope you can see how many fingers I'm holding up. See, here's the thing: when you when you were setting that up. I thought you were going to go to, he suggested we take these mechs and put souls in them. 
Oh, no. No, 100% it was a bit. (laughs) Well, okay, fine. (laughs) Fine. This is Bit Town. (laughs) Welcome to Bit Town. Wait, wait, this is the Bit Basement. Oh, God. (laughs) Here we go. Another room on the house. Uh, but the legitimately though, I would not have been surprised if Watts was like, "Well, what if we just take all of the aura from a person and put it into a giant murder robot?" And everyone went, "Ah, too much of a good thing, bye." You're getting a lot of Genlock into my ruby, and I'm all about it. I've already gotten a lot of red versus blue into your ruby. I don't know why this is different. You're getting a lot of Five Nights at Freddy's in our ruby. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Really I get a lot of Five now. Nights at Freddy's into my everything. Let's be real. Terrifying. Stacy, what were you me. saying? But we're just getting real wild now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm all about it. Um, but regardless of whatever the, the Paladin incident was, if it was a real accident and he just happened to use it as an opportunity of like, oh, now's a good time for me to just peace out. Or if it was, yeah, a carefully constructed way for him to just disappear um, that was premeditated. Ultimately, it doesn't matter right now. He's supposed to be dead. He's working with Salem. And it wasn't really until this point that it really clicked for me that nobody really on Team Ruby knew who Watts was. Like, they knew Hazel, and they they knew Tyrion, obviously, but I don't think anybody really was aware of Watts or what he was doing, because it's only when this footage starts rolling, and the council people put it together, that, you know, this his involvement with Salem is sort of brought into the limelight. So, I don't know, I thought that was kind of interesting, that even though we've known him for some time, he's been uh, a stranger to them. So, I thought that was interesting. Dramatic irony. Uh, but ultimately, I <laughs> I kind of adored Jacques' reaction to this because he tried to lean back into, oh, it's it's another deep fake. <laughs> the thing that you're seeing isn't real. Um, and then ultimately, you know, that doesn't pan out and trying to bail and Weiss stopping him with her summoning ability, which, as we discussed last week, is the suit of armor that belonged to her grandfather, or at the very least, is basically the suit of armor of the Schnee family. It's just, it's so good. Dad-in-law is pissed! (laughs) (laughs) What did you guys think of this particular moment where Weiss is bringing her old man to justice? Uh, Let's go ahead and start with Stacey. I feel like this was such a satisfying moment both for us as the audience and for weiss who's just grown up in this under this oppressive thumb her entire life and now gets to turn the tables and call him out for all of these horrible things uh you know by pitting him with his actual crime Uh, (laughs) i also really really love the way that she throws herself into it weiss lives for the drama and she's being allowed to live for the drama now (laughs) i am here to appreciate it but weiss is like opened up so much in that way because carefully calculated thinking everything through before doing it and then here she is screaming you're under arrest wait a second (laughs) can i do that (laughs) first think later weiss 
<laughs> her partner is Ruby. I mean, that's got to rub off at least a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> well, Weiss has always been like this a little bit. Like, I, I will never forget that moment in volume two where she stood up on that chair and yelled dramatically in the most anime scene I think Ruby's ever done. Um, but yeah, this, this, like I said, this was super cathartic uh, in terms of Weiss and the whole Jacques storyline. Mark, what did you think? I can't not jump straight to the very end of the scene and the brilliant timing of the can I do that cut like the timing was just I num num feed that to me <laughs> for dinner every night because I'm well well supped by it holy cow um but totally agree what a bet what the best way for the drama queen to sort of provide the comeuppance for a character that we are not fans of <laughs> I mean uh it, it it was it's a wonderful way to sort of counteract the personal injustice. I mean, it, nothing can undo years of psychological neglect and uh, for lack of a better word, torture. And I don't want to take that lightly, but from forcing her to come back to Atlas and keeping her trapped essentially in her room to making him be trapped in a small room uh, for however long he's going to be trapped in a small room, if if he even makes it to prison, to be completely honest, um, or the Hague or wherever they'll take him, the the anima equivalent of the Hague, because um, <laughs> that word's been going around a lot lately. But uh, yeah, what a what a wonderful scene that we had, and for winter, for 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 the whole Schnee family, at least in this moment, it's nice to get a little bit of a comeuppance even though we still have four episodes to go and there's a lot that needs to happen. God, there's only four left? Yeah, 13. Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was really nice. And what I think might be the close of the second act moving into the third, if there are only four episodes left, just in terms of how much screen time we've got. Um, yeah. I did a lot of yelling to the point where I missed dialogue, so rewatching it was necessary, but I did a lot of yelling because this was beautiful. Just especially that you're under arrest and then the immediate, can I do that? Just like, yes, yes, you can. I don't care if you actually can, but this is the ruling body and he, this guy's been caught with proof that he done fucked up. So, um, yeah. Yeah. This was a thing of wonder and beauty. You need to let me scream about Jacques for a bit. This is kind of what I'm saving up for. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Ah! This vainglorious, self-centered, nitwit. Okay, This this is tech support rant time. Yes, we're we're moving on to what, in fact, he's given to Watts in his stupidity. Because we have this scene earlier during the conversation where he gets notified that the heating grid is down and it was done with his access. So that shows the audience that, oh shit, Watts is going off the reservation here. He's doing whatever the hell he wants with the access he's been given. Jacques isn't in on this part. Good to know. Thank you, audience. And then... All I can think of is 
Last episode, he's talking about, well, the hacker that hacked into your forces at Beacon is still at large. And during that episode, you're thinking, hey, maybe he's like, you know, he's trying to throw suspicion off himself. And after this episode, you're like, hey, he hasn't actually put together that Watts is that hacker because he's dumb. He's so, so dumb. Yes, I gave the person who is a hacker and willing to commit crimes for me my administrative access to the system that runs the entire city, but I'm sure he won't do anything untoward with it without my saying so. Nobody would do that, right? Don't ever give anyone your credentials, kids. I don't I don't care who it is. Do not give them your password, especially if you have administrative or higher level access to anything just god (laughs) i'm leaving tech support because of people like him (laughs) you okay there no okay i'm glad he got arrested but i am leaving tech support as an industry So yeah, that's that's me. That's my life. That's me screaming into the void about the terrible, terrible decisions of fictional, chaotic, evil idiots. How are you guys? I'm good. Um, <laughs> the yeah, it like the moment that guy came in to tell him that the heating grid was down, it really is apparent just how out of the loop. And how self-centered Jacques really was. Because, I don't know, I I was a little bit under the impression that maybe Watts was going to use, that counsel, use the fact that Jacques was on the council to manipulate things further. But nope, all he needed was that admin access. And now, yeah, once Jacques is of no use to him anymore, just time to lock him out and boom, 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 done. Uh, it really does show, and this scene also showed how little the power that acquiring the council seat meant to Jacques, because when they accuse him of being an accessory to multiple murders, he says, I only wanted the the council seat. And Robin just loses it and says only and throws a chair across the room. And it it really does show this was such an inconsequential thing to him. It was just another thing to have. And to her, it was everything. So yeah, this this whole this whole thing really does undermine how self-serving, short-sighted, and selfish he was when you compare him to a character like Robin. Um but yeah, what was uh, what was your guys' take on Watts, of course, double-crossing Jacques at, the, at literally the first opportunity? Mark? So something I found interesting about this scene is something that I, I honestly wasn't expecting. And the fact that Jacques, while ill-intentioned and certainly a bad person, is... I don't know if I would qualify him as mustache twirling evil i think he has evil tendencies i'm not trying uh, like i'm trying to qualify this again i don't think jackshni is a good person i'm not 
if if he was a real person and i know that there are parallels to real people but i think the fact that he is a villain in this fictional sense makes him an entertaining villain i like the performance that we're getting from mr douglas and it it made his like his sort of outburst of yes anything you said no more questions blah blah, blah. it made that very entertaining however I, I wasn't exactly expecting him to be just the biggest idiot in general. Like, he's just, like, he's inept in the in the biggest sense. And I, I wasn't necessarily expecting that to, it to be that simple. And, you know, it's never that simple. And sometimes when people in positions of power are that dumb, they don't get this kind of a comeuppance or this kind of a reveal or this kind of a whatever so it it's it that's another thing of like ah this is a fiction because the bad guy got what he deserved in the end whoops um but i i really wasn't i really wasn't expecting him i really wasn't expecting him to be just a big old dummy like it it, it doesn't it, it's not inherent that people who are emotionally manipulative are smart people you know they they know how to push the right buttons and things like that but yeah i i was i was not taken aback but surprised that he's really stupid he's he's, he's just that dumb couldn't so, so that i think was aside from you know detective weiss coming in and having the comedic moment of the century i i was not i was i was very surprised by that he just crit failed his wisdom roll there, and I don't think any of us realized it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he had that great of stats to begin with. I mean, negative modifier doesn't help, but... Stacy? Well, I was kind of surprised by that, too. I feel like we have been given... And granted, this we've mostly seen him through Weiss's eyes, through Team Ruby's eyes, as a very cold, calculating, very in-control knows what's going on, has all the pieces in play. I mean, we constantly see him juxtaposed against the chessboard in his big, fancy, lavish study. And then to see him devolve, like, into this, like, Mr. Burns-esque, like... <laughs> I, I, that is all I could think. Like, I don't even watch The Simpsons, and that is who he reminded me of. Like, it was super entertaining, and, like, he did a wonderful job with it, but... I was a little surprised that he actually doesn't really have a handle on this. And that he, <laughs> it spiraled out of control so quickly for him. And he kind of loses his composure as soon as he gets called out on something he can't easily refute. Yeah, I, I really appreciated that. Like, that's what I'm talking about in terms of like the catharsis in this episode with just the swiftness of how quickly this rouge is up. And it, it's so nice to see somebody, you know, given all the real world parallels we talked about during the election episode, it's really nice to see somebody who is clearly a liar and a self-serving person who's really only seeking political power for their own personal gain. It's really nice to see them sent off to jail. <laughs> Again, as Mark was saying, that's how you know it's fiction, but it's really nice anyway. Yeah, it's also fictional in that despite the fact that he's a complete pants-on-head idiot, uh, he's still smart enough to know that 
this is a thing, he got caught, and there are repercussions. He was very much asking for the manager while he was being arrested, but still. Hey, some habits die real hard. (laughs) Um, That's okay. You'll have plenty of time in prison. Well, I mean, what the bad thing about this whole issue thing, even though he gets caught and justice is served in that capacity, the bad thing is that with the heating grid off, rioting has started in Mantle. And with that rioting and with fires being set and people attacking Elysian soldiers, uh, it guess what? It's attracting Grimm. And we see two new Grimm in this episode. And I, well, although one of them, you know, the Goliath, it's more of like a modification of the Goliath from a previous season. But these ones distinctly look more like Mastodons uh, or Woolly Mammoths. And uh, the other one is kind of what we've been hoping for for many a season. And that's Dinosaur Grimm because we kind of got a pterodactyl one. And I wanted to get your guys' take on these two particular designs. What did we think of the new Grimm? Let's start with Stacy. They're very scary, and I appreciate them. (laughs) (laughs) I love all the new Grimm designs. Oh, they're just so pretty. Mark? We are two away from getting the full Power Rangers roster of Grimm, and I'm super here for it. My my man, you are a mind reader. We just need Tyrannosaurus and uh, Triceratops. Come on, Billy, put a little more I into believe. it. I uh, go ahead and we're 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 gonna go ahead and section off a corner of the conspiracy corner board and go power rank grim power rangers question mark question mark are you sure this doesn't belong in the bit basement <laughs> no it, it might belong in welcome to veil <laughs> yes uh, make it so <laughs> never mind original characters do not <laughs> steal <laughs> uh, katie uh you actually came across something kind of fun about the origin of this pterodactyl grim in particular would you like to share that with the rest of the class i'm still dying over power rangers i need a minute (laughs) so miles tweeted and i actually read this before i watched the episode so slight spoiler for one thing for me but that's fine uh he and kiersey had a conversation on slack about the name of the pterodactyl grim and he said for the record we landed on Terex." But it's Kiersey saying, yeah, I finally decided on Terrorix, P-T-E-R-R-O-R-Y-X, and I don't want to hear anything about it for at least a week. And Miles says, I love that. Wait, I just tried saying it out loud, and it does sound like, and Kiersey goes, terrorists, stop, no! (laughs) So, yeah, they're losing their mind over, the terrorists, the terrorists! Oh, no, I can't go with that bit. That's not a good bit to continue on. But, yeah, <laughs> they changed it to Terex for a reason, because Terex is, uh, woo. A little bit too on the nose. A little yikes. 
I was going to make a joke about how, you know, given that the Grimm are attracted to fear and everything, like that's how the terrorists win is by giving into fear. But now I don't want to. So thanks for that. Uh, That is that is a funny story, though. It's it's a fun um, peek behind the curtain. And I'm glad they shared it with the world. They're there. I guess they settled on Tarek's. What we don't know is what the woolly mammoth ones are called, because I'm not sure if this is just a different variant of Goliath or if this is something else. And I do want to say that looking at the Goliaths that we got in volume two and then looking at the mammoths that we have here, you can really see how much grim design and animation and just concepts for these have improved. It's, it's, it's amazing actually just seeing those differences and part of it is animation engine and part of it is they've been doing this for seven years and that much experience and that much creativity really shows like I love the look of the Terex and the look of these murder mastodons or whatever they wind up being called like I love them I don't know if it was a fan name or or what but I could have sworn I saw it called a megalith I, I I don't because then that that's also kind of a portmanteau of um, Goliath and Mastodon, like um, Mega Goliath, Megalith. Like it could I I don't know where I saw that, but somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But I I could sworn that I saw that somewhere. They did release that little tiny preview video with the guy who voiced Forrest, like that little two-minute thing, and it showed a clip of them. So it might have come from them talking about the clip. I don't Mm. know. I don't remember it well enough. Neither do I, but I really like that name. Yeah. I'm all about it. Um, But so, yeah, those guys are just sort of, barreling towards Mantle and other smaller Grimm are getting in and the the pterodactyl Grimm is flying through the air and trying to attack airplanes and stuff. Uh, so there's stuff that's happening. And so as this chaos is sort of beginning to unfurl, uh, even though Ironwood was sort of let off the hook as far as his council position was concerned, um, basically the very thing he was trying to avoid this whole time ended up ended up sort of coming to pass anyway. And so this is where Oscar basically convinces him to come clean to the council. And ultimately, Ruby and Oscar decide that it's time to come clean to him as well. So he comes clean to the council and Robin. Since, <laughs> and yeah, there's a fun beat where uh, he finds out that she knows about the Amity Communications Tower. And he's like, wait, how? Oh, shoot. <laughs> um, and so, like, basically what we get is everybody clearing the air in one way or another. So now the council people know the truth about Salem, but I still think that there's a level of discretion that's not being let, that they're not privy to. They've been let in just on the fact that Salem exists at all, and Ironwood's been told everything that the kids know now. And so what I wanted to ask everybody is, what comes next for for poor Ironwood as a character? Because he's kind of devastated when he hears this news. What comes next for him? Let's go ahead and start with Mark. I don't necessarily think that he's devastated. I think my sort of 
prediction of the type of character he would be at the beginning of the season versus what he's come to is a pleasant surprise. But at the same time, I think he's, if he was devastated, he wouldn't have done anything. The fact, and not just because I re-listened to the soundtrack lately, but the fact that he could do the next right thing right Dude. away. <laughs> like Mark. You are doing that mental plagiarist thing that Katie and, that Katie and Stacy were doing to me last year. <laughs> Listen, you you may be watching all of us, but I'm in your heads. <laughs> no we're safe. That sounded a lot less creepy in my head. I apologize. But does that involve going into the unknown? Depending on what he does next, I think will determine where he lies, but the fact that he wasn't defeated. And even in the face of this news, he's like, well, we still have people to save. I think that mindset will carry him through to the next best place. Instead of going, oh, what's the point? If we can't do it, instead of wallowing in that information, he's able to compound and go, no, the safety of the people comes first. And I think that's the best. And at the same time, I don't think he's entirely on the same level of information because we don't know if Oscar told him that there are any questions left still. We just know that Oscar told him what Jin told him. I'm I'm still kind of a little stuck on what everyone, and it's semantics and it's dumb and I know, but I'm still a little stuck on the whole, what people took away from this is she can't be destroyed when the actual words were, how can I destroy her? You can't. And yes. I know it's bullshit semantics and I know that that's one of those little nitpicky things, but I really do think that's important. And let's be real, I live my life in the bullshit semantics sometimes. So I, I think that's a big thing that's being overlooked and honestly probably won't come up again until either Oz decides to show his face in public again or we wind up with another question for Jin. Like, I, I don't think that's going to come down the line for a while, but I do think we have that that particular little loophole that no one's really considering because this is not really a group that works on bullshit semantics. That's, that's not how anyone here functions. And we on the other side of the fourth wall definitely have the time to stop and kind of take things apart. Um, I do want to take a step back and talk a little bit how we got to this scene. Because with all the drama and everything and Jacques being arrested and Robin speaking up and just that little teeny comedic beat of, yep, I'm still here. <laughs> it's like... Oh, yeah, we forgot. In and out of character, we all forgot. But she's the one that strings together, okay, why would someone like Watts be working with a missing serial killer like Tyrion? Why why are they targeting you? Why did you want this? Like, why did you not want anyone to know about the communications tower? She's basically put all the pieces together and cornered Ironwood again. And I really do think that her being able to collate this information on the fly, pick up the relevant bits, and be able to assemble them into something actionable, for one, would make her a great councilwoman. And I'm pretty sure she's getting into that seat now that uh, someone's being arrested for election tamper tampering and as, as, wow, and accessory to murder. And I also think that's going to make her a very valuable part of the team 
for however much longer we spend in Mantle. Stacy. And I think Robin's reaction to learning the truth and to putting the pieces together and being perceptive and receptive of it too actually does play a role in how Ironwood handles, you know, the truth that he finds out later. I do think he has a moment of devastation where he absolutely sees all the pieces falling apart. But now he has a wider group of people who have listened to him, who have who don't really have a reason to be loyal to him or to trust everything he says, who are listening and seeing that he did go a complete opposite way, opening up instead of becoming, you know, completely paranoid and closed off. And I think that's a trend that he can continue to go with, especially after seeing the reactions, not only from Robin, but from the council too, who seemed to take his words at face value and place their trust in him. Yeah, I I think the animation for James's facial expressions in this episode are just remarkably on point because you really do see the surprise in his eyes when it looks like he when when he comes to realize that putting his trust in Robin and the other council members isn't a terrible idea like um and the fact that he can trust uh, you know Oscar's opinion as opposed to waiting around for Ozpin to, and hoping that Ozpin will provide the magical answer for him. Um, it, yeah, this, this, whole, this whole set of scenes between being backed into a corner, getting let off the hook, being backed into a corner again, being pleasantly surprised, uh, all of a sudden it's crisis mode, and then like being backed into that corner again <laughs> and then learning that you can trust the people around you and then being like oh by the way uh we were lying to you earlier but now we're gonna tell you the truth and i hope you're ready for this particular truth bomb it's a lot it's a lot of different beats going on in a relatively short amount of time this episode is only 18 minutes long Good lord. <laughs> that's a lot that's a lot of emotional that's a lot of emotional weight to get through in a relatively short amount of time. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I ultimately really like that even though it's hard to hear that, you know, quote unquote Salem can't be killed or can't be defeated. That's where that's the mindset everybody's working from right now even though that might not necessarily be true. I do love that, like, we can't worry about the bigger picture right now. We have to just do what's right in front of us and take care of the people that we can. And that very much ties into, like, the title of the episode. You know, as above, so below. Um, like, going, the, that particular phrase has a lot of context. Like, it goes back to, like, the 16th century and um, according to Wikipedia, it means like in the secular context, the phrase can refer to the idea that the microcosm reflects the macrocosm. Uh, for example, that individual or domestic ills can result from larger societal ills. So I, I like the idea that this season, there's a lot of like little things that ultimately reflect the larger picture and vice versa. And, you know, I yeah, ultimately, I really like that. Um, I thought that was really cool. Do we have any other thoughts on Ironwood and Robin and where the, the future 
of all that is going before we move into our next topic. Uh, Mark, any other thoughts? I wonder how Robin is going to make it to Mantle and what she's going to do with this information. She's been very, she's usually been very public about any sort of information to tell all of the people that, hey, this is what's really going on, blah. And now she's been given this huge responsibility, this burden of information, if you will. And I wonder how long it's going to take her, if at all, to go straight to the people with it. Stacy, Yeah, I do feel like, because she had, you know, the inkling of this information. She had, oh, this is the truth. And now it's completely confirmed. So she was holding some information close to the chest, as it were, but only maybe because it wasn't verified. So it'll be interesting to see how she acts now. Uh, I do think that the urgency to share with the world will be ramped up a bit. Um, although I kind of also see Robin as starting to get Ironwood's perspective also. You know, she specifically says, oh, I think you're actually trying to help Remnant. So I do think that she can understand the need for discretion at the moment, but not for long. Yeah, I I love that he's no longer a fascist dictator in her eyes. Now he's a person who really is doing the best that he can, given the circumstances, to keep everyone safe. Katie? I think that she'll be able to sit on this information for a while because now she understands what's at stake and she understands why the communications tower has to remain a secret until after it's launched. Like, she gets the stakes now. She gets the bigger picture. She's been given that information and she's smart enough to know that, yeah, we have these two people running around and one of them has at the moment, backdoor access to everything, we cannot make this easier for them. We have to forestall them and still be able to accomplish our plans. That said, when it comes to actual information dissemination, now that she knows her standing next to Ironwood and confirming what he says is going to go a long way in getting the people to believe them. Because if it's just coming from Ironwood, it's, oh, great, it's Ironwood. But if it's also coming from Robin, whom they know and trust, that's going to carry a lot more weight. Exactly. 100%. I I very much feel like, I, I think I called it earlier in the season that, like, in terms of coming to um, the world with the truth about Salem, I feel like Robin's going to be the one to deliver that message. That's... I think she's the person that can convey the direness of the situation, but do it in a way that won't make everyone feel completely hopeless. And after the events of this episode, I am kind of, I'm definitely doubling down on that particular theory. Um, but okay, before we move on to our next topic, I want to talk to you guys really quickly about iTunes. Folks, thank you guys so, so much to everybody who's gone to iTunes to rate and subscribe and leave a comment. We love hearing from you. It means a lot. It helps us become more searchable when people are looking for Rooster Teeth related content. And we also appreciate being able to give shout outs to people who take time out of their day to let us know what they think of our show. And even though we can't see stuff in the international iTunes, 
Um, there are ways where we can see that it does still help for sure in terms of all the stuff I just said, but there are also other ways where we can see that so we can give you a shout out. You can take a screen cap of it and send it to our Twitter. Uh, and Mark, uh, we have one such shout out, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yes, we do. From BL Spicer uh, on Twitter had tweeted us. Well, they tweeted us this comment with their rating attached. Uh, best Ruby podcast out there. Five stars on iTunes Israel. Much appreciated. Uh, and it's a best podcast out there. Five stars. Always insightful and always entertaining for fans by fans. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Spicer. Very much appreciated. And thank you to anybody who has left us a review. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it, it really does mean a lot. And iTunes isn't the only way you can interact with us. We do have a Discord uh, where we interact with a lot of other Rooster Teeth fans. And it is, it's a good way to get in touch with us about the theories that we have about our various shows. I really appreciate the art thread and the I am proud of me thread that we have in our Discord channels. Uh, just wonderful art and positive affirmational stuff to keep you motivated. And also dumb memes. We've got a lot of really <laughs> dumb, like I'm also, yes, I am echoing the approval and and the wonderfulness of those but also uh sometimes the our first rt first releases thread just devolves into like dumb memes from stuff and i i <laughs> one that i popped in my head just before we went live was uh, when i was rewatching the episode and and i know we'll talk about this coming up but when Tyrion came out of the darkness in all of the like hullabaloo in mantle just in my head popped oh boy here I go killing again and <laughs> like dumb stuff like that and now I, I yeah it, it, it's a fun it's a fun place where we have fun discussions but we also sometimes we we talk about serious stuff it's it's a wonderful community and they're they're all wonderful people um yeah I 100% echo that sentiment it's so so fun and they always they always manage to cheer me up if i'm having a rough day um and we there are also other ways to interact with us as we mentioned twitter if you're not already following us twitter is a great place to interact with us um we had a tweet from at drummer girl 456 aka jade aka a friend of the show for years and years uh, who who just wanted to say around the holidays, just got caught up with all the Rooster Team podcasts for Ruby and heard the year one review. You guys are the best and we love you. Have a great holiday and keep being awesome. You keep being awesome, Jade. Jade we rule. love you. You are so, so cool. We love you. Yeah, Jade's an and all-timer. So oh my God, yes. Jade's the best. <laughs> um, we also have... Uh, a few things from Shadow Angel on Twitter. Shadow Angel has been tweeting at us um, quite a bit over the holiday. It's been great hearing from them. Uh, ooh, I had the I had it pulled up. Well, Hold on. <laughs> let me let me read one of one of my favorite ones from Shadow Angel. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the various rooms in our quote abode, and uh, they responded with, "Guys, to have a true lair, you need the entrance hidden by a waterfall in plain sight, but cleverly concealed." Very good point. Absolutely right. I love that. Um, oh, that's so good. Also want to give a quick shout out to at Music Kale on Twitter, who also another longtime friend of the show and an RTX garden guardian. Ugh, I don't know how somebody could be an RTX garden. You can be anything you want to be. Always, <laughs> always thank your guardians when you go to RTX. And always garden. Thank your guardians. 
so yeah, shout out to Music Kale. Uh, that she was saying, I'm finally catching up on Ruby, and I need and I need to scream many ahs at people. Probably the Manguin at some point, and then as I catch up on at the Rooster Team's thoughts. So uh, she's in the middle of Volume Six right now, so she'll hear this uh, particular comment probably a week or so from now, when I imagine she'll immediately binge Volume Seven. Ah. Uh, so thank you oh, honey you got a storm a coming <laughs> oh even better uh she left off at episode three. Oh! <laughs> so that's oh, gonna be fun boy, oh boy oh boy that's gonna be oh, fun boy oh boy oh boy everything's fine and uh a shout out to billy Polyhan on twitter as well who uh tweeted at us after this latest episode I mean, Schneesis, what a dysfunctional group of people. Hey! And it's impossible to know whether or not uh, that was in reference to us or the Schnee family. Honestly, it could go either way. I think the answer is just yes. <laughs> Por que no los dos? <laughs> and, of course, at Robbie Shuttles on Twitter, uh, who also tweeted at us, up to their Schnees in antics, y'all. Hey! Son of a- Hey, now. The long and short of all that is just no matter what your level of commitment, whether you support us on Anchor with a monthly subscription, whether you are a member of our Discord, or whether you just chat with us on Twitter, or even if you've just gone to iTunes to leave a comment, it it doesn't matter what your level of commitment in our community is. Your support means the world to us. So thank you guys so, so much for your support. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. We love you. You're the best. Okay, now let's get back to it. Guys, uh, <laughs> while, uh, while we were taking that particular commercial break, I may or may not have used the my sneaky escalator again to transport us to the love yeah. loft. Woo! Here we are. I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, we had a lot. We didn't get a ton of deep character interactions this time around but we did get a lot of character interactions for a lot of people so we got a lot of tiny little character bits so we're just going to talk about all the shippy stuff right here in this particular moment uh let's go ahead and start with the big one which is rose garden uh ruby and oscar coming to the conclusion that they they should tell ironwood the truth was done in an almost rom-commy, super sweet, borderline saccharine, adorable way. Um, it was just kind of the sweetest thing. Um, seeing these two kids be awkwardly cute together. Uh, what did we think of this particular moment? Let's go ahead and start with Katie. It was so well scripted and well delivered on both parts. Like, Sometimes you see moments like this and it's like, okay, that's contrived, move along. For these two, the way they act in general and the way they interact with each other, I 100% bought it and it was super adorable. I love it. Stacy. You know, I thought it was a really interesting artistic decision for them to just shoot the scene with two cinnamon buns. And yet, <laughs> it really worked. <laughs> Like, I don't know why why we're just sitting down looking at pastries right now, but I don't ever want to watch anything else. You even got Mark with that one. <laughs> yes. Good job. Ultimate. <laughs> they were precious. This was so well done. And it was it, it was nice to see, like, 
they're they're super refreshing innocence just bouncing off of each other like that and creating such a like cute awkward but also like reaffirming moment very precious mark all right let me pre- <laughs> no no just let me let me preface this with if this if this is something you're pushing for more power to you great personally for me it is still difficult to get past the two souls thing and i think ultimately in the end the two souls thing will get resolved one way or another and then i think this is all right now i know i did see a comment it was either on social or in our discord that Jin did mention that oz let the characters live their lives but at the same or the the people that he inhabited live their lives before the like the mind meld started and to that cool fine there's still an elder wizard living in the head of this boy and we saw as actually you know what especially with what happens later in the episode where oscar does tell ironwood everything and he says uh like a city in the clouds is gives something to to look up to or, or held whatever to a higher standard yeah, held to a higher standard and and ironwood's reaction of it you say that like you were there which tells me that the mind meld is either happening or Oz is a lot closer to the surface than we have clearly seen. So it's one of those things where Oz is still very present. And until he's not, I it's still kind of weird to me. But I will agree that the scene was kind of cute. But in terms of the shipping of it, for me personally, I'd, I need a little bit more of Oz to go away. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here, old man. Get out of here, weird. old man. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? That's it. That's the show. Um, I I agree, Mark. And we, we talked about this uh, during our shipping spectacular when we were on our other platform. I am all about Rose Garden, but I need that. I need that guy to get out of here. <laughs> uh, because the... The thing, and and I think this is actually causing a lot of controversy for people. And here's the thing, guys. Like, yeah, it's weird that Ozpin is in Oscar's head. But ultimately, that is definitely a plot point that's going to get resolved by the end of the series. Um, To the point of Ozpin allowing the people he inhabits to live their own lives. The sort of implication that we got from the the episode with Jin was that usually when he like whenever uh, a host body dies and he has to move on to a new host essentially the implication that we got based on the various people that we saw was that usually those people were already full-grown adults and so they kind of already had their own lives set out I think this is probably the first time someone so young has been um, a candidate for for Oz for the next Oz, if if you will. So I I don't know. I agree that like I am uncomfortable with it while he's in Oscar's head, but ultimately I like Ruby and Oscar together. I think they are a very very cute pair. I think their interactions are always really adorable. I find his kind of schoolboy crush on her to be really endearing. 
So I I love moments like this, especially because Ospin's been basically non not present at all this season. So I I think it's going to work out fine. And I understand just if it's not your ship, just on any particular level. But don't attack people who do like the ship. Because ultimately, if the show decides to go down that particular route, I feel like Ozpin's going to be out of the picture by the time the series wraps up. Agreed. So Totally. And I don't know. Take a chill pill. <laughs> Let people ship what they want. It's okay. So that's the long and short of that. See, I spent enough time in the Yu-Gi-Oh! fandom that that doesn't actually bother me. <laughs> Yeah, don't me. don't get me started on the pharaoh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord, uh, an entirely different set of massive issues. Um, do we have any other thoughts on Rose Garden before we move on to our next couple? I have something that I wanted to say really quickly. As Go we were yeah. as we were going through this episode, I was like, man, we're running a little long. I'm surprised Megan hasn't done the middle of the show spot yet. <laughs> And then the fact that you're dedicating essentially the entire second half of the show to these small <laughs> shipping moments, everything has become clear. Plan <laughs> all along. I did it. tell you at the top of the show that I was an evil villain. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Diabolical. Sorry, not sorry. You say, are you? Are you? Um, so let's move on to Crow and Clover. Yay! They were <laughs> adorable. <laughs> what? No, that yay was completely deserved. Oh my god. <laughs> I was not expecting that reaction from Mark. It was so it was so pure, but it was like I don't it was it seemed very, very like planned in the pacific it was i don't i don't want to come on too strong at how pro the ship i am but i am still excited so i should say yay for like but not give it like i'll get i'll do like a solid six yay and you totally nailed it it was absolutely just phenomenal like let's just give out like the streamies for this next year already best performance megan salinas ladies and gentlemen yay <laughs> it's funny that i did just say i'm evil mwahaha yay <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about these two guys who need to be boyfriends. <laughs> um, uh, so yes, Crow and Clover definitely had some great interactions in this particular episode. Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. What did you think of their dynamic this time around? Oh, we just see that soft look on Crow's face all the time. <laughs> yes, he deserves to look that soft and like just completely overwhelmed by. <laughs> Whatever emotion he's feeling, we know it's love, but shh. <laughs> yeah. Again, this is such a positive relationship, and it's such, like, a natural teamwork that they seem to be, like, crea crafting with one another. So even, like, even as teammates, even as working together as partners, they, they seem to just kind of naturally fit, and their personalities are so compatible as far as going over the top and crow gets to pretend to be exasperated by his antics <laughs> i know your secrets <laughs> mark how about you it was a good moment i mean we talked last episode too like 
relationship versus friendship and it just seemed more of that you know it's just hey these two get along really well together and like stacy said they're they're kind of the perfect fit they're yin and yang they're uh they're very well it's hard to say that expression when there's a character named yang on the show but you know what i mean (laughs) it it was it was a wonderful scene and it was uh, i'm i'm trying and again taking off of our conversation from the last episode hey let's give them one last nice moment together you can stop if, now. if you think look you i'm just right now that that that's something that i just thought of not something what i thought of in the moment because it was like a oh that was a nice moment but right now i'm like oh we've got four episodes left oh there's a lot of stuff going on and we see robin and crow fighting Tyrion, and we only see uh, um, Clover with the other Aesops from the intro, and I know the intro isn't gospel, but still, it's what it's one of those <laughs> things where you, it's you know you want I want Crow to be happy. Everybody, I presume, wants Crow to be happy. So as you don't want that stuff to happen, but it's just one of those like branching paths that pops up in your head. Mark has joined me on the sad sofa. <laughs> no, dude, it's a good place to be sometimes. I was with you last week too. Yeah, yeah, this is where we live. Um, this is another one of those ships where, honestly, however it plays out in canon, I'm good with it. I'd buy it either way. But personally, I really super need them to just kiss. <laughs> Do it. Make it happen. They both deserve good things. Come on. Uh, to kind of tie into what you guys were saying, um, Clover is just such a source of warmth and light and kind of like positivity and that the way that that's definitely affecting crow for the better is more and more apparent with every episode that goes by and the more time that they interact off of each other um but it also you know it also applies to the other Aesops as well like he just seems to be a positive and uplifting person because here's a group of people that like you know a couple episodes ago they were talking about how they're not friends they're just co-workers and yet as they're about to hop into the face of what could be certain death like I don't know I I don't necessarily buy the fact that they're not friends based on you know, the way they, they interact and play off of one another. I I don't know. I'm starting to think maybe they're just a bunch of team. They're, they're just a team of a bunch of Sundares who are like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I care about you or anything. Not and then friends. high five. Have fun down there. Now, don't stay too long. Let's be real. Elm is friends with everyone, regardless of what anyone says. <laughs> She is mom friend in this group. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about her, like, holding Clover and Crow when their ship gets attacked? <laughs> Priceless. That was so good. She's everybody trying to save the ship. I'd <laughs> <laughs> also like to talk about that small bit of comedy where Clover's like, you've all got your assignments. Let's go. And he opens the door and there's the Terex head right there. And then it gets smacked in the face with what's left of the engine. Like, just these, this, this episode was so exciting and then just had these little teeny moments of comedy with the, you're under arrest. Am I allowed to do that? Yeah, I'm still here. And just the physical comedy of the pterodactyl getting clonked in the face with a flying flaming engine. 
beautiful. It was pretty great. Oh, just this <laughs> no, because like it's a great way to get introduced to a new Grim. Like we get a nice, great up close look at it, and then it immediately gets hit in the face with a fleece of flying debris, and that is the power of Clover and his wonderful semblance and just. I wish I had, like, <laughs> an innate ability that just made me look cool all the time. I didn't realize that was his semblance at work. I just chalked it up to comedic timing. Like, I, I think this is both him and Crow's semblance in this moment. It's bad luck that they lose the engine, but it's pretty great luck that it hits the grim in the face. <laughs> That's how I interpreted the moment anyway. Um, do we have any final thoughts on... Uh, uh, fair game before we move on to our next couple. I did. I forgot that that's what they were called. Um, I, as you were mentioning, like the shining beacon of positivity that Clover was, it made me think how he's similar to All Might in a certain way from My Hero Academia. <laughs> but, but that, so, so then I was like, eh, that's not quite a perfect analogy. So let me put it, I just wanted to put it like this Clover is a Labrador retriever. Like a hunting dog, like cute, very cuddleable, but gets the job done. Whereas uh, All Might is a golden retriever. <laughs> and and just similar reasons, just kind of a, a little dumb, but he rushes in head, head first and, and does what he needs to do for the love of everybody. And and they're both dogs, so I guess in a certain way, everything's okay because they're, they're here. And a golden retriever is... Almost always smiling. Yeah. You know, actually, it's funny that, that you you made the connection of All Might because in my head, seeing him jump out of that plane, I was getting very much Domino vibes from Deadpool. Mm. And uh, like if we were if we ever do like another shipping spectacular where we do another crack ship, I think Clover and Domino would be a lot of fun. They would be the luckiest couple on the face of the earth. Hmm. Oh, good times. Um, Stacy, any final thoughts? Just let them be happy. <laughs> Aw, yes. yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. And this one is, I think, a little bit less fun. Uh, but we had a quick Renora moment. Um, as we're getting ready for battle, as we're gearing up. I kind of liked this moment, too, because Jean has his eyes closed. And he's just completely oblivious to this moment. But... Like, uh, Ren looks like, you know, he understands the direness of this upcoming situation. And Nora takes his hand. He squeezes back. Um, but then they don't look at each other. They both look down. So in this moment, I think this is kind of building up off of what we were talking about last week of, like, we're building up to, like, at some point we're going to have to have a talk about what happened and what it means and whether or not that's the right way they want to pursue their future together. Because even though they were holding hands in this moment, the lack of eye contact and the la you know, the fact that they were both looking down, I was like, is that because that there's a wall between us right now? Or is it just like the, the fact that they, they were looking down doesn't mean anything. And like, it's just a here, like I'm, I'm, the the hand holding is like a just hey I'm here for you no matter what. Um, what did what was your interpretation of this moment? We'll go ahead and start with Mark. You would. 
Um, I think <laughs> I know who I do this show with. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know where my bread is buttered. This, I think, could be. I, I again, branching paths. I think it could all. It could be what you're talking of, but I think this sort of further extenuates the situation. I think it's also a possibility that the situation that I said in the last episode, where they're they both have different thoughts but and and that leads to a disagreement to where they is without speaking in this moment you can't really say what you're feeling so that has the other person fill in the blanks and so who knows what ren thought nora was doing who knows what nora thought what who knows what nora thought ren was thinking and while yes, it's a nice moment, and I think they'll still have some team up moments in the fray. I, I I agree, Megan. I think this is still just building to a very big conversation that they have to have. Stacy, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, we've seen more comfort with kind of physical closeness, and so far as you know, Ren will kiss Nora back. He'll squeeze her hand. But yeah, they there is no direct eye contact. That emotional closeness is still kind of skewed. That what level of emotional closeness they're both willing to invest in is still very up in the air. And I do think are in two very different places. So whereas I don't think we're going to see them like actively avoiding each other. Absolutely. You know, they'll keep working together as a team and keep being that source of protection and comfort for one another there's a storm brewing. Katie? I think I'm the only one that didn't read any of that into this scene. I honestly just saw it as two people who are very close, and let's be real, that relationship is still, there is still a discussion coming, I think. But it's two people who have been in many a dangerous situation together before going into yet another very dangerous situation together. It's just that little moment of, yeah, I'm here for you. Let's get this done. I think that's a fair interpretation of that moment for sure. Um, and to, to sort of add to that, um, where I saw the potential for there being an emotional wall between the two of them, what we see next doesn't necessarily indicate that that's the case. Um, although, like I said, it's kind of up for interpretation, but right after they hold hands and, um, you know, we cut back to, a, a longer shot of them just holding each other's hands and it's the full team shot of Juniper, we cut to a shot of Blake and Yang and, you know, Yang just gives the soft little smile. And so, you know, we're looking at basically the couples on this ship of like, they're at a certain place in their relationship and they're at a certain place in their relationship. And yeah, everybody in terms of communicating what place that is, they're all at a different place. Like, you know, they had that bit, the Ren and Nora had that big blow up at the party. Um, and bit are the relationship between Blake and Yang hasn't, quite yet been spoken out loud and you know as Nora was very much hinting before that big blow up like 
maybe someone should just come out and say something. And Ren's idea is like, oh, maybe no one has to say anything. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I thought it was an interesting thing to cut from one couple in one particular place to another couple in another particular place. Uh, what did you think of this ju- juxtaposition? We'll start with Katie. I thought that was a pretty solid way to do it. I thought coming from, yeah, the one that's confirmed to the one that's, let's be real, all but confirmed. But the flip side of that is the one that we've pretty much confirmed is also the one where we're looking at it going, there's some emotional contention coming down the line. And the one that is not confirmed is the one that's been through a good amount of their emotional contention, has talked through it, has worked through it, has quite literally fought through it at some points and is now able to sit down and have conversations about what they think and what they believe and what they should do. So it is an interesting juxtaposition and I think it's a nice little reminder because I don't know if we'll be able to spend any more time on relationship building stuff this season with everything coming to a head and with what an hour less than an hour left in the season four episodes four episodes we'll see how that goes stacy yeah i mean going back to kind of we see a display of like physical reassurance with ren and nora whereas we get the opposite of that with blake and yang there's no physical contact as they're sitting there but they do look to one another and i think we feel that kind of emotional support so it highlights just how how they're in different places along this path of kind of forming a relationship, navigating how to open up to one another and work together and probably even navigate being teammates versus also being together as a couple. Mark? I mean, I I think everybody's sort of covered everything that needs to be said about it. I, I agree. It's interesting how we have more of a, like, yeah, we're okay, sort of a nonverbal nod when you know the the characters on screen seem to know more than the audience which is fine but at the same time there is very much uh hey could you could you just tell us if this is the thing or not (laughs) everybody everybody really wants to adjust their shipping spreadsheets and i know you have them i've seen one but uh, it's one of those it's one of those things of Okay, they seem they seem to be like, yeah, this is a thing, and everybody else seems to be like, yeah, this is a thing, and yet we still don't know if it's a thing or not. Yeah. Again, just kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make it easy for all of us. Now that we're we, like again, time to kind of put a pin in the episode and sort of wrap up the only other two kind of plot threads that I wanted to touch on. Um, as we see Jacques get carted away uh we get a one last look into this uh to the schnee household and i think for the first time in the entire series i've looked at whitley as a little kid and not like a hench person or um a toady or you know a potentially evil person like this is the first time where i see him as a child as he runs back up the stairs and we get this one last look at willow schnee who we should probably point out, um, somebody on Twitter uh, actually pointed this out. Hold on, let me look it up. 
there's a very important fact that, you know how earlier we were talking about how all of these particular, you know, uh, you know, airing of grievances and everybody coming clean about Salem and everything like that, all that took place in the Schnee household, you know, the place where Willow put cameras with audio. Oh, so at uh, Kale, um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right. That's C-A-L-X-I-Y-N. I'm not sure. Kaljan. Uh, but she's a member of the reactor community. Uh, just put on Twitter, oh no, oh no, oh no. And um, because at Halcyon Traveler put on Twitter, oh shoot, guys, remember how Willow said she bugged every room in the house? Every room. And it's a screen cap of Ironwood and Oscar during the Salem Can't Be Killed conversation. So Willow Schnee and potentially even Whitley might be in on that conversation. Are we going to be seeing Willow take a more active role in the narrative, given that she potentially has access to this information if there were bugs in that room? Uh, Mark, what do you think? Uh, to be honest, th- this is, I think there are more implications for Neo than Willow. Um, you know, it, it's, it's terrible to sort of refer to a character like I'm about to, but uh, the way that we saw Willow sort of react to time and not knowing when it was and not sort of being able to be all there, it's terribly sad. But at the same time, unless she makes a huge life change, which, you know, you always hope for. We've, we've seen Crow, you know, kick his alcoholism, but there's a lot that Willow has to work through in order to take sort of an active role. And the first thing she has to do is be a good mom to Whitley. And that's the first thing that I want to see more so than being like no let's time to boots on the ground like if anything if the company goes to her would she then give it to whitley or because she's not medically fit you know or 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 for whatever reason she doesn't feel comfortable running the company but somehow she gives it to a little kid i don't know but what i what i'm saying is if she can use the power and the dust and the money and everything to help the world Instead, you know, get rid of the embargoes, et cetera, et cetera. That's, I think, the best change she can do. But I don't think she's going to, like, actively, you know, I don't think she's going to join the team or anything. Stacy, Yeah, she quietly collected evidence of her husband's wrongdoings and taped all of the potentially horrific things going on in that house and kept it and held on to it and probably wouldn't have put it out there if she had not encountered Weiss in the study who was actively pushing to find these clues and to expose them to the world. I don't know that she's taking an active stance against, you know, Ironwood and Salem in this case, which, yeah, is probably something she has a very limited understanding of. Do you know she may be full of surprises and may... This may, like, trip something in her knowledge base, something that she's heard about or seen before. But otherwise, I don't know that it would necessarily be super consequential information to her. I'm worried about something from a different angle. 
presumably provided that some pieces of technology in this world work the same as they do in real life presumably these cameras are connected to the house network watts has arthur's and not arthur god wow Woo! it's the yeah. end of, it's the end of the episode and my brain is done Shock. they're brothers it's fine <laughs> <laughs> watts has Jacques login Presumably, this beautiful gallivanting moron uses the same username and password for everything. My point is, what's to stop Watts from getting this footage while he's at large? He has bigger fish to fry, sure, but if they don't catch him now, God knows what he could get into. And, oh, hey, here's a computer, here's a a security network that has been recording everything that has been happening in this house with clear video and audio including some conversations that for the sake of security need to stay private let's publicize them let's have fun counterpoint i i kind of agree with mark that i think neo is more likely to do that than watts because jacques didn't know about this it wouldn't be his information it would be willow's Completely different server, I imagine. Completely different login credentials. If it's on the same network, he has access to it. Yeah, but I would think more so, I mean, what is Watts going to do with information that he is giving, you know? Like, and we also don't know how long Willow's been recording things. You know, it's, for the story, it's convenient that she had been recording by the time Watts showed up. But at the same time, I don't necessarily, I'm not, dogging on that but we don't know how long has it been years has it been months has it been weeks has it been days like it it probably from like when weiss came back or maybe even from when when winter left you know i would be when i suspect the earliest of her recording everything but i'm sure watts has access to it but what can he really find and expose that will help them in you know i i suppose he could doctor some footage but eh salem being functionally immortal or at least them believing that salem is functionally immortal cause widespread despair in the populace if that's a piece of information that ironwood chooses not to disseminate having someone release the footage of a private conversation where he is informed of that fact you want to demoralize a population that's how you do it and i mean that's just that would just, I suppose, throw the region into wanton chaos and invite more grim. But, you know, to what end? Like we still and to be fair, like that's that's a good that's a good theory. We just don't know why yet. Like, are they just trying to cause enough chaos so that they can get the relic or are they trying to legitimately kill the population? You know, like what? Why does does Salem want th- she wants this presumably to destroy the gods? But will that destroy people? Does she want to kill people? Or is she just sort of throwing everybody to the Beowulfs? Speaking of agents of chaos, uh, as you mentioned, um, you know, we see a particular servant skip away from the mansion. And this is one of the great things about, like, going back and rewatching episodes. This particular servant was in the room uh, where the council meeting was taking place and she was actually the one that Winter bumped into on her way out when um, 
she lost her cool. And, uh, and then it turns out, of course, that this servant isn't uh, somebody that was employed by the Schnees. It is, in fact, Neo in disguise. And can I also just talk, you know, she and Cinder have made their way to Atlas. But I am just wondering, like, how long was Cinder sitting in that room in the dark? Like, literally, like, the the light didn't turn on until Neo was already there. Like, how long was how long was Cinder sitting there (laughs) just staring at the moon? (laughs) I don't know. But ultimately, now that they're in Atlas, what is next for these two? And what specifically are they after? Are they after the relic or are they after Ruby? What what's next for these ladies as they wreak havoc on Atlas? Let's go ahead and start with Stacy. Uh, they're there for havoc. <laughs> well, why not both? Just mayhem. If you can. Just mayhem. I, I, I mean, I feel like yes, they are. They both have a specific vendetta against Ruby. But if the relic is on the table, yeah, Cinder's got a plan for that. Mark. So we talked earlier. We posited that the question and the the information was that Oz can't kill. Salem and I think the way that that information gets to our team is the sheer shiny giant brass balls on cinder thinking (laughs) I can kill her and the way that she does that is by also collecting the relics and somehow down the road in her hubris her hubris her arrogance she uh is like i'm going to kill her and and like in some sort of an evil rant you know it's one of those things of oh this is my enemy but the enemy of the enemy is my she still killed my friend but i don't like her but we need to kill this bigger fish um or however the expression goes so i think (laughs) that they're definitely there to also have the relics and it's, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> this might be a deep cut for some people, but it's like a Jack Spicer, Shengong Wu situation where they're also. Oh my God. Shout out to, to fellow. Was Shaolin, that a That was a Shaolin showdown. showdown. So it's a situation was... where it's, he, they're kind of our villains, but they're so, even though they've done some bad things, we like them for some reason, but it's going to be at the end of the day, them teaming up to take on Salem Shout out, mic drop to Omi and the crew. <laughs> I have not heard the words Jack Spicer in a very, very long time. <laughs> Did he have rocket shoes? Am I remembering that right? He had, he had a propeller pack. pack, yeah. That was it. <laughs> For some reason, I was like, well, Penny already has the rocket shoes. Could we get a Jack Spicer in this show? He has the propeller pack and parents that don't love him. And oh. Penny has the jet bootsu. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> on, oh, I, mean, I love that. Let's be real. Team Chaos is here to do a murder first and foremost, and then cause some chaos. So I think that's kind of their priority list. But, God, give me the Jack Spicer situation. <laughs> Damn it, Mark. <laughs> uh, Stacy, what about you? 
Uh, wait, no, we we started with you. So I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. And then Go I gave around. and then I gave my bit, and I think this episode is over now. <laughs> I uh, yeah, uh, you said Jack Spicer, Mark, and my brain erased everything that came before it. <laughs> Fair um, but yeah, I I feel like. Um, in terms of uh, what they're looking for, I feel like they're looking specifically for Ruby and the Winter Maiden. And at the very least, they know where Ruby's at. Because um, I feel like Cinder, maybe part of her plan is to go and get the Winter Maiden's powers and then take out Ruby. Um, because, you know, Maiden, the last time she was in the same room as Ruby... Like, she only had one set of maiden powers. Maybe having two would aid in her vendetta. I don't know. I don't know. But that's, in my head, that's the order of operations is get winter maiden powers, then kill Ruby. But I don't know. Maybe they are just here to flip some tables. Um, but yeah, I think that just about does it. Do we have any final thoughts on this episode before we wrap it up? Let's go ahead. Mark, final thoughts? Man, I was all over the place this damn episode, so I don't know. (laughs) I went to like the four corners of the world and came back with Jack Spicer of all things. (laughs) So, um, this was a wild ride, you know, like we say it every week, but shout out to the crewbie. Shout out to um, Eddie and his writing partner, who I forget. I feel terrible about it. Crap. I'll find it. Um, Kiersey. Yes, Kiersey. Thank you. Thank you. Eddie and Kiersey, they they put together a wonderful episode that reminded me of Avatar The Last Airbender in the sense where we had world-shaping drama along with comedy that humanized our characters and made them that much more affable while not sacrificing the stakes. Stacy. We have had so many episodes that have such good world building, such great character building, incredible character moments. And that being said, I'm pretty excited to get back to some good old fashioned grim killing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we sort of got sh- shortchanged on that um, in the wake of the election. So it's nice. It's nice knowing that like next episode will probably be getting right into the thick of it. And a re- new rad song from the Williamses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're done with the soul killing. Let's get back to the grim killing. Um, This episode was very well balanced. I'm so glad that security camera footage came back that quickly. I was expecting to spend the rest of the season trying to figure out this election doctoring thing. But man, am I glad we got that figured out. And I'm going to end this episode where I started it and say, don't ever give anyone your login credentials. (laughs) Ever. Um, this episode gave me everything I could have asked for and more. It gave me the wonder and glory that is Detective Weiss bringing a criminal to justice. It gave me the catharsis of seeing Jacques put away. It gave us Team Neo back. It uh, gave us brand new Grimm and lots of shipping things to just be really excited about. All in all, Really loved this episode. Can't wait to see what the rest of the volume has in store. And I think on that note, uh, it's going. let's go ahead and wrap it up for the evening. Mark, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark B. Donica. I I've been posting some random things lately. I mean, you can tell where my head's at right now. Going back to work lately has after being kind of stir crazy for the for the winter break that we had was a little wild and so i'm happy to be around people again i'm wonderful to talk (laughs) with this wonderful team again 
it's it's Aww. been great. Make sure to go back and check out our year in review. Uh, it it we talk a little bit about the past, present, and future of Welcome to Vale. And if you don't know what Welcome to Vale is, it is our Ruby Cross uh, Welcome to Night Vale. And um, we actually we actually have a plan. <laughs> like <laughs> Megan and I had a had a wonderful meeting uh, a little while ago, and we like we have a plan for the first time in a long time. Instead of just like <laughs> writing stuff, like we're writing stuff with purpose now. So um, we're we have so, we're not I'm not going to mention our deadlines, but we have some deadlines that we are trying to hit. And we, we really want to because the, the stuff that we came up with, we're really excited about. And if you haven't listened, that is also on this feed. So go check out our year in review, our Welcome to Vale stuff, as well as all of the other shows that we do here on the station. We appreciate your listenership. Thank you very much. I'm really excited, too. Thank you. I can't wait. Mar- uh, Stacy, <laughs> sorry. I'll go again. I don't know where my brain's at now. Go on, Mark. Let's go. No. Mark, give Stacy sign off. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> no. Stacey, where can people keep up with you? <laughs> I'm Stacey Stallworth. I was going to say I'm just going to be waiting eagerly for Welcome to Vale, but mm. <laughs> I will be doing that. <laughs> However, I am also falling down the cosplay uh, rabbit hole into cosplay Wonderland. So uh, that's all the fun adventures you'll find over on my Twitter or Instagram at Stacey Shuttles. Katie? I'm Katie Cullen. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaget. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos to these episodes and other Rooster Teeth projects and whatever the hell else strikes my fancy at the time, those live on that YouTube channel. I am trying to be more active on the Twitch stream, so if you would like me... Wow. If you would like to see me play mobile games well or Overwatch poorly, that is the place to do it. And I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't. We talk about it. I also have a YouTube channel where Katie and I talk about horror-related things. Be sure to follow the entire team here at the Rooster Team. Join our Discord. It's a good time. Uh, and if you can't support us on um, Anchor with a monthly subscription, you can always buy a t-shirt on Public of the silly things that we say so again thank you guys so so much for all of your support thank you so so much for listening and this has been Ruby Redux and now it's time to say goodbye <laughs>